I really felt like that the Lord, you know, the Spirit just being what it what He is to me, and and I love Him and our church, and I, I was thinking, you know, we we are on our way back. Now, we may not start growing leaps and bounds by numbers, but I think spiritually speaking, we're making the devil mad. I really do. And, you know, we can move out of this community. I thought about that this, you know, if, you know, we'd made the decisions years ago or sometime since I've been here, you know, it's been talked about. But if we was to move out of the community, you know, there's a lot of darkness in this area that just take over. And we're still a sore thumb to Satan by being here. We're still got the opportunity to be a light. And, and you know, so my, my thoughts on, uh, boy, I just, I was really, I've just enjoyed today. I'm just going to say it that way. I've, I've been thankful for what God's been allowing me to do. And uh, got your Bibles tonight. Go with us to the book of. Genesis chapter 9, that's not where we're going to stay, but it is where we're going to start. We got a lot of scriptures tonight, and whether or not we get to every one of them, I don't know, but um, just, just in that thought there, after the flood, Noah and his family, they're the only ones left. If you think about this, you're starting off with eight people after however many hundreds, thousands, or possibly even millions of people there was. You're starting off with eight. Now, that doesn't make much sense, does it? But when you start off with what God starts you off with, then you got what you need. Now I told you he don't like us. I guess he's messing with Brother Supal's mic. I thought I had that fixed. Now he's messing with mine. But I'll be honest with you, if I don't get to preach it from here, I'll just make you all sit closer together and I'll just get it down there. You realize how many folks give up every day because something goes wrong? Noah could have gave up. He could have said, nobody's listening to me. Nobody's paying any attention to what I'm saying, so I'm just going to quit building the ark. I mean, if nobody else believes it, why should I? But that ain't what he did. He just kept building it with the confidence of this, that when the time comes, God will do what God said he will do, and he and his family were going to be all right. Our faith and our trust in God has to supersede anything else. In this walk of life. So if you would stand, we'll go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get right into this. Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your mercies, for your grace. Ask you, dear God, give us the strength that we need tonight, that we can do that which you'd have us to do, be that which you'd have us to be. And we'll give you glory for it all, Father, in the blessed name of Christ Jesus. And amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Verse 1, chapter 9 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you, 
and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the earth, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the flesh of the sea. Into your hands are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. And he that even as the green herb have I given you all things. But the flesh of life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. So don't eat the blood. All right. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man. And at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso setteth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Now I'm going to sidestep for just a moment and for a second. I'm going to just tell you something. That's exactly why I believe in capital punishment. You think about the standard God set out. God wasn't even going to hold a beast unaccountable. If a bear ate a man, God would kill the bear. Just think about it. God has a high standard, church. But that's not where I wanted to go. But I'm, I'm reading to where I'm going. But, but I just want you to think about that. Verse 7 is where I'm ending. And you be ye fruitful and multiply Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, and saying, And behold, and I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Now, verse 7 tells us something very peculiar. I'm going to talk about a few things in the Bible that says, be ye. First off, God said to be fruitful. Be ye fruitful was what he said to Noah and to his sons after that they come off the ark. In the New Testament, and I've said this not, not long ago, the Bible tells us there that they will say, blessed is the pap that never gave suck. They're going to say it's been better for a child never to have been born than to have born in this walk of life. And I know for a fact that we've said that. And it's being said in a lot of places a lot of times so that the point of this is that today it seems like if Christian children are born, people start ridiculing the Christians for having so many children. But God said, be fruitful. Think about that. And we look around today and say, what are you doing? Do you realize the population will diminish if man is not fruitful? And not only that, but if you have less people giving birth to Christians, in other words, children they'll raise for the Lord, evil men will triumph. In this walk of life, though, we've also got to this point to where being fruitful is a hindrance to our personal desires. Now, God didn't say be fruitful only to a limited amount, and therefore, if you get past this point here, you know what, I don't want you to interfere with what you've got personally going on. He said, bring forth abundantly in the earth. The book of Psalms says that children in a quiver of a man are like arrows, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And I've always said, and I will say again tonight, only God knows exactly what size quiver any man should have. You need to listen to what God says. I'm not saying take that away, but I'm going to tell you. 
Not every man's quiver is the same. But make sure you get your quiver full. Because you know what? Today we don't want a quiver full. We want what we want. And we think that's enough. And the end of that. And then, you know, that's where we get into this unwanted children bit. I ain't never found a child yet that somebody wouldn't have wanted. Then we go to the book of Leviticus. And I'm just kind of passing through the Bible to get to a few spots in the New Testament. But the Lord speaking there told them in the 20th chapter, if you go over there. Again, backing up into verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, whosoever he be that of the children of Israel and of the strangers that sojourn in Israel that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone them or stone him with stones. Today, you and I cannot take up stones and stone those that abortion uh, people and get abortion or offer or do abortions, but but you know what we can do? We can pray that God would put a stop to them, because I'm going to tell you something, church. When the Supreme Court ruled abortion was against the law and threw it back to the states, the devil about come out of his grave five times in one minute. He wanted to get those five that voted that way. I'll tell you something else. The demons of hell have been raising their heads ever since in all kinds of places to the point to where our last election was this, abortion and democracy. And if we don't get abortion back, our democracy has ended. Can I tell you we do not have a democracy? We have a represented republic. And the mind of you and I is supposed to control the mind of those who are in Washington taking care of things for us. And if you look at it and think about it that way, if I say and you say and there's more of us who say abortion ought to be against the law, it ought to be against the law regardless of those four or five out there who think it ought to be the law of the land. God said to stone those folks. Now I'm not saying go out and kill anybody. Don't take me wrong and bend my words. I'm just telling you God said don't do it. He went on to say, and I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he hath given his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. America is where we are because of what we've done. Sin does not go unpunished, nor does it go unjudged. And God is not going to tolerate. If you look at the country as a whole, there are far more people who believe abortion ought to be against the law than they are people who believe it ought to be a right. But you'll never hear that anywhere else. Because why? They want to offer our children unto Moloch. They don't want to be fruitful and multiply when it comes to people who might raise their kids for God. So God said he had set his face against that man. We're in trouble. I'm just telling you. We're in trouble. And may I tell you, maybe God is still patient because we ain't gone yet. We ought to be doing something about it. I thought about this the other day. I'm just, I'm just a nobody. I mean, there ain't millions of people going to listen to me. 
There ain't even going to be hundreds of thousands of people listening to me. But I thought about this as I was walking uh, the other day. I can't remember what I was doing outside, but I was walking over here, and I thought to myself, you know what? God didn't send me here for millions. He sent me here for you. And if we will do our part, we can change the minds of millions, not by ourselves, but by the power of the God, Holy Ghost of God. That makes the difference, church. It's just God wants somebody to stand up in the gap and start being accounted for. And if the people of the land do any way, hide their face from the man. When he hath given his seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then shall I set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a-whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch among their people. I'm just telling you, are you getting convinced yet of where we've been over the last 40 years? A mess. And the soul that turneth after such as having familiar spirits. Now we're going to a deep place, church, that we don't want to go, right? But let's just go there anyways. People following familiar spirits. Shows are made right and left today about people going into houses and conjuring up ghost spirits in the house. We got a show out there, and I don't know if it's still going on. I've never watched it. And by the way, I would if you've done it, you better go clean your house up. Called The Medium. And it's some woman, Jezebel's spirit, by the way. That's pure simple right there. Who thinks that she can talk to ghosts and spirits. And she convinces families to pay her money to go to a place to sit around a table. And then she will tell them what the dead spirit is saying. So that they will know what their spirit, their dead spirit of the person that they loved or was around is thinking today. Can I tell you that my granddad whom I love dearly is in heaven and don't say nothing to me because he don't even know I exist anymore. And you say, what? Praise God he don't know what I exist. The times I messed up, do you think he'd have been happy about it? I'm just telling you, church, don't mess with them. Don't invite them. Don't be around them. Don't fellowship with them. He went on to say, uh, though the way of whoring after them, he said, or and after wizards, uh, you know, I'm going to cast a spell on you. No, you ain't. I'm out of here. I don't believe in cupid dolls, by the way. Whatever them things are, they stick pins in. You can make one look like me and stick pins in it all day, and I ain't going to feel a thing because I don't believe in none of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. I do believe that there's wizards. They follow after Satan, and they'll do everything they can to try to cast a spell on you and get you caught up in their web. And I'm telling you, we don't need them. We just passed the 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 the. the holiday which by the way is not a holiday because holly is supposed to be holy it's not a holiday it wasn't a holy day it was an evil day and you drive around and you find everything out there but something good 
I mean, I, I don't get it, church. I honestly don't get it at all. I don't think Christians ought to participate in any way, shape, or form. There is nothing holy about hanging somebody in a tree and making them dead like a skeleton hanging there or having ghostly figures. We went around one house. They had a pot and three witches around it. People were going crazy over a new movie called Hocus Pocus about three witches. And yet my Bible says, you go falling that way, you're dead. But I wonder if we even believe the Bible anymore. You know why? Look at verse 7. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy. For I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. And I am the Lord which sanctify you. What is the commandment in verse 7 there? Be ye holy. Turn away from the things like that and go do the things you ought to be doing. Can, can I tell you that when we look at the scriptures and if we honestly begin to follow through here, there, there is a work for us all to do. I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect, church. I'm not the greatest of great. I mean, just to be honest with you, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not the smartest man in the room. I'm not the most holy person in this room. But I can tell you with an honest heart that I strive and try and I want to be more about what God wants me to be every day of my life to the point to where I'm not satisfied. I still believe that God can do more with me than what's being done. I believe that with all my heart. God just wants me to let him do more. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Verse 17. This Moses is going to send his spies out. He's, he's got a word for them. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land what it is. And the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that thou dwell in, whether it be good or bad, or what the cities they be at be they be that dwell in, whether it is tents or in strongholds. And what, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether it be wood, whether there be wood therein or not. And look at this. And be you of good courage and bring back the fruit of the land. Now that the time was the time of the first drips of grape. Now I'll tell you something. We know that we talk about grapes and the size of grapes as they come back. And we also know that when they come back, they come back. Uh, Twelve of them come back. Uh, but two come back with a good report and ten come back as cowards. They did not heed the word of Moses when Moses said, Be ye of good courage. Now think about that. Be ye of good courage. Courage. Understand this, that the Moses message to those 12 was to go out and see what God was going to give them 
and then to bring back evidence of what God was going to give them and to do so with courage, whether it be big, small, whatever it was, and to look at it. But when they got back, they were supposed to come back and say, here's what's over there. But God's given to us, so let's just go get it. Instead, they come back and they said, hey, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's got everything a man would ever want, but we can't do it. These, these giants and these grasshoppers. Well, by myself, I guarantee you, by myself, the devil would wipe the floor with me every day of the week. But with God, he can't even touch me without God allowing him to touch a hair on my head. So I'm telling you, be of good courage. You know, the, the, the things that are going on a lot of times, this one going out too, right? It may be something different. But the, but the things that are going on today causing people to, to, to just kind of bug down, cower down, and think we ain't never going to make any difference, I'm telling you right now, it's just making me matter and matter. And I ain't getting mad at the world. I'm getting mad at the fact that nobody's listening to what God has to say, which means to me, just get a little louder. Be more persistent. As Mariah says, yell at the TV. It don't hear you. But talk to God if he does. Remember, we talked about prayers being answered. Well, Joshua tells the people to be of good courage. God tells Joshua to be of good courage. In Joshua 23, verse 6, it says, Be ye therefore very courageous. Be ye therefore very courageous. Not, not just a little. Now Moses said, Be ye therefore of good courage. Joshua is told of God to be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. Can I tell you, if we'd have stayed in the plow book, plowing the way the plow book told us to plow, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. And I'll say it this way, church, just because the world wants to go the way of the devil don't mean you and I need to go the way of the devil. We need to stay in the plow book and plow the way the plow book says to go. I know people who plant by the farmer's arm and hat, and I mean to tell you that is the gospel of farming, the farmer's arm and hat, and they'll do it every year just that way, no matter what happens. They'll follow that book. Can I tell you, if you're a child of God, you need to follow this book. And we need to be very courageous to keep. Keep. Jump over to the book of Luke. We're getting a little farther down in there. Like I said, wanted to get into the New Testament. Luke chapter 12. Let me find my spot here. Verse 37 says, Blessed are those who slow servants, whom when the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. 
And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now, now think about this. We talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. The, the Lord is coming, and he's going to find the servants doing what needs to be done. He's going to guard himself. He's going to make them to sit down to me. He's going to feed them. And it said there, he will come forth and serve them. And it, Now, look at that. It doesn't matter what time he comes. See, you're not a child of God on Sunday and Wednesday. You're a child of God every day. And you're supposed to be a child of God every minute of every hour of every day. Every second to start off with if you want to go that way. And so it says, if he come in the second watch, or if he come in the third watch, and find them so blessed are those servants. You know what? If you're in the first watch, you're in the daytime, it doesn't really matter. If you're in the second watch, you know what? People don't think about this. They that are drunken are drunken in the night. That's what the Bible said. And I read it this morning. We are not children of the night, but we are children of the day but it doesn't matter if it's day or night we're supposed to be God's children and therefore he says be ye therefore look at this now be ye therefore ready also in verse 40 think about it for the son cometh son of man cometh in an hour when you think not and I used to think this, that the world, we, we look around at the church and we would say, man, he's got to come back today. He's got to come back today. He's not coming back today. Why? Because we think he's coming. But it's going to be that time when we don't think he's coming. He's coming. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, church, that, that's so important to me because I think the world is getting to a point to where, you know, at one time there was more that believed in God than there was that didn't believe in God. And today there's more that don't believe in God that believe in God. And there's even fewer that actually believe in God. There is a difference. The devil was told. We were told, rather. You believe there is one God, thou dost well. For even the devils believe and do tremble. There, there's a part of this where you believe, but then there's another part where you absolutely believe. One is believe there is a God. The other is believe in the God. And I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe in this word of God. And so we find there that he says that he comes as, as the thief in the night. In the time in which we don't think he's coming, he's coming. He said the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. And if you stop to think about it today, church, there's a lot of times we don't think he's coming. Another part of scripture, and then I'll just kind of read through these and, and close out here just a second. But in Romans chapter 12, we know this one, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In Corinthians 10, 7, here's, here's one. Be ye Neither be ye adulterers. Now, so we've been told what to be. Now we're saying, don't be. Neither be ye. Don't be these folks. 
Don't be adulterers. As were some, as it was written, the people sat down to drink and eat and rose up in the play. He's talking about in Moses' time. Let them out of Israel, and there we go. In Corinthians 11, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. The apostle Paul was telling them, hey, I'm going the way of the Lord. You go with me. Follow me. I'm going the right way. I'll tell you the truth. There are some people who say, come with me. I'm going the right way. And all you got to do is listen to them for five minutes and realize this. They ain't going the right way. We ought to be going the way of righteousness. Be ye holy, the Lord said. And by the way, he says it in the Old Testament. And he says it in the New Testament. There's a reason why. It's a double witness. The Old Testament is telling us what the New Testament's going to do and what happened there and what happened in the New Testament verified the Old Testament. Therefore, we know it's true. We ought to be holy in serving the Lord. We ought to be followers of those that follow the Lord, those that follow after the things of God. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, church, and I've said this before, and I, it, it, you know, if I come up here and I say, you know what, we're going to change the philosophy and the policies and the doctrines of the church and we're going to go a new direction, I think we can fill these pews up if we just start doing something that's just totally over here, you know, in field, play, field B instead of over here in the Word of God. And, you know, like I said, plowing in the book because we ought to be plowing. If we start plowing in that, you need to be saying, you're not going the right way, I'm not following you. You know, there would be a lot less problems today if people told the man who wanted to go another direction, I'm not following. If he don't got nobody to follow him, he ain't going to go there very long. And I'm going to tell you why. Most of the time, men who are doing that are trying to get themselves rich and wealthy and live in another way than what they're doing now. And they want you to pay for it. And they'll go the wrong way and they'll build up that way. And people follow them. And the Bible says that they have strong delusions and they'd rather believe a lie and be damned instead of believing the truth of God. So if I say we're going this way and the Bible says, no, you go that way and I start going that way, don't follow. Don't follow. Let's go the ways of righteousness. Just jumping through these very, very carefully. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we all know this one. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Church, if we had come out and separated ourselves, we would be in good shape. He goes on. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. In verse 17. So verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In verse 17, be ye separate. Hey, it's okay to be separate. Can I tell you, church, if you separate yourself from that which is sick, most likely you don't get sick. You call me up and you say, Brother Ernie, you want to come over and have lunch with me? I say, sure, let's, let's, let's have lunch together. You say, oh, by the way, I've got the flu. We're eating tomato soup. Well, you didn't lose me at tomato soup. You lost me at the flu. You understand what I'm saying? If you know that they're sick, why go eat where they're sick? You're not going to do that. I know you. 
You're not going to do that. But can I tell you, why don't we separate ourselves from the people who will pull us down? I'm not talking about not being influenced. I'm not talking about not praying for them and, and tell them, sharing with them the things of God. But why do we fellowship with the devil? We're supposed to be separate. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. And I'm not reading the whole verse, but, but I just want you to understand something. There, there's a hard one for you, right? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun do, go down upon your wrath. And I'll tell you what, there's been times when the sun was already down and we was mad. But we didn't let the sun come up on our wrath. My wife will tell you, I will sit in the living room. And we will go over and over and over. And we'll lay in bed and go over and over. It don't matter to me where we're at. If there's something going on, we're going to find out what's going on before I go to sleep. And if I go to sleep and you wake me up because something's going, you've done, done the wrong thing, now we're going to stay awake till it gets solved. That's just the way that it is. You can be mad, but I want to know why you're mad. But the other side of that is this. If you're mad, try to make amends before it gets too late. Be angry and sin not. Now, how many of us have a hard time with that? In the same chapter, just a few verses down, it says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you're angry, you're not going to forgive. So you got to get rid of the anger to get in forgiveness. Can I tell you, God is mad at the world. But not to the point that he's going to sin and that he can't forgive. God's judgment come in the Old Testament and they wiped, he wiped out all but eight folks. He did not sin in doing it. He purified the opportunity for eight to get it right. And he told them to be fruitful and multiply. And then he gave us all the word that we needed to be right in his sight. And to go the way that he wanted us to. So that we could have instead we refused the only holy God that there is. And go the way we want to. And God is not going to put up with it forever. Things are amiss, get them right. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. If, if you broke it down like this, it would say, be not unwise, be understanding. We ought to do that. James 1.22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James 5, 8, be ye also patient. Me and Brother Don was talking about patience earlier this morning, I think it was. Talking about being patient. I tell you, it's, it's hard to be patient sometimes when you're going through life and going through things. But can I tell you this? The Bible commands us, tells us to be patient. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. That means to be patient. Then we jump into 1 Peter, verse 15, chapter 1. 
jump back to verse 13. Wherefore, guard up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as which, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Can I tell you, the Bible tells us from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if our conversation is not holy, our heart is not holy. But if our conversation is holy, our heart is holy. And by the way, sometimes you will bite your tongue because the heart tells you that's not right to say. But he goes on and he says this. In verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And remember, we read this back in Leviticus. The Lord told them to be holy because he was holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, why are we supposed to be this way? Because he did everything for us. 1 Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, be ye of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love, you brother, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. Be of one mind, church. Can I tell you, the devil cannot beat us if we are of one mind. And that be of the mind of Christ. Right here. Right here. This is it. This is number one. Be of one mind. That, can, can I tell you? There is so much discord. And disunity. Because people don't only believe in one version. They don't only believe in the one version they think they believe in. They pick and choose what is right and what is wrong. What is applicable and what is not. And the Bible does tell us to rightly divide the word of truth. In other words, understand, and, and I'll put it to you, simple Ernie Emler, understand that I don't have to go offer sacrifices for my salvation or for the rolling of my head of my sin any longer. I don't need a priest going in and beseeding on my hand because Jesus Christ did that on Calvary's cross and now I can go into the holy of holies so to say. I can get right where God is and get things right for myself. I, that's what he's saying there. Understand you don't have to offer sacrifices no more. But he didn't say you didn't have to follow the word. In order to be of one mind, be of one accord, we need to be of the mind of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 7, this is the last verse we had. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And by the way, that's the last place you'll find 
I believe those two words link together. Be ye. What a sombering verse to find where it says be ye. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Aren't you glad Amendment 4 failed? Watch unto prayer. The more we see, the more we ought to pray. Would you stand with us this evening? Heavenly Father, tonight, thank you, dear Lord, for your love and mercy and your grace, dear God. Thankful, Father, for the blessings you give us. Lead us ever closer to you, Lord. Lead us closer one to another. Help us, Heavenly Father, do that which is right in thine eyes. Help us, dear God, to be prepared and ready, Lord, should you call us this evening. Lord, should you call us now. Lord, I pray this evening, Father, that our hearts and our minds would be set toward thee in all things, dear Lord. God, I pray, Father, tonight for those that are lost, those that are sick, those that are backslidden, those that are cold and indifferent. Father, those who are challenged that seem to be going the wrong direction. Lord, I pray, speak to our hearts and minds. Lord, I do ask you tonight, let thy word set into us, dear God, to make us better for thee, and to bring more glory to you. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen.